Okay, so welcome to the podcast, and today we have a very special guest, Mr. S, who's our Bible teacher, and and we're going to be answering some questions that uh, one of our listeners gave to us who's not a Christian, so that should be interesting. Also, from now on, we're going to be changing the way we do the podcast a little bit, so instead of focusing on talking about what other Christians have written, we're going to try focus more on questions or interviews specifically more on Bible verses. How about we talk about questions as a concept first? They, you can have good questions and bad questions. So what, what makes a good question? What makes a bad question? I guess a good question is one which the premises of the question are all like true. Yeah, or at least logical and well thought out. Yeah, so you sometimes have a question that has an if statement in it. And if the yes. if statement is actually a false idea, then the question, you can talk about the question if you like, but really going to get nowhere because the EF statement and the question is, is, is not really relevant. So it presupposes things which aren't necessarily true. The first question is, why does human morality and emotion often clash? I guess for that one we have to talk about, because I know the person who asked the questions, I imagine what they specifically may mean is... If you're perhaps in a situation where you have some choices and you choose the morally incorrect choice because perhaps it benefits you in some way or you have some kind of emotional attachment or situation in which you choose something that is less moral compared to just using morality to discern what you should do. So I guess like an example would be like, if you really hate someone, which is an emotion, mm. and then you kill them, why yeah, is it right. that you hate them, but yet you can't act based on your emotion because yeah. like be immoral revenge, emotion. revenge, for example. Like I think there's plenty of people out there who would perhaps justify revenge and say it's okay as long as someone has committed, um, you know, worse enough acts toward you. Um, yet I think. Morally, they know that revenge is incorrect, even though they would want to justify right. it in certain or situations. Like, right? Or like, if you would lie, which is yeah, morally right. wrong, people would agree that you would lie in order to protect someone or that you love, even or white, or even white lies to encourage people and make yeah. them feel better. People would say that's fine, even though I think in their conscience they should know that lying is pretty much wrong all the time. Yeah, I think I'm getting my head around this. So why does human morality and why do human morality and emotions often clash? Uh, what you said, uh, QQ, it seems like a, sort of like a scenario where a person knows that they should do the right thing and they do do the right thing, but they not that it feels wrong, but they don't, they don't have a sense of satisfaction from having done the right thing, or they, right. or they, they, you know, it's the right thing, but perhaps the the flow out um, result of that, which you know might ideally be in the right direction, takes so long to occur that you've got all, you know, you, this person's in a bad situation, for example, they make the right decision, they're not going to get a warm fuzzy feeling from that, you know, they're yeah. not going the emotion, there's not going to be a, an emotional 
connection between the good thing they did and the hope and their hope for a good emotion. Conversely, if a person knows the right thing to do and chooses to do the wrong thing, I think this is an easier way to you know if the person's thinking of it this way, we can understand why everyone in the world does evil things because they're following their. I don't know whether I use the word emotions, but they're following their desires, mm. which obviously yeah. have emotional connections. So, yeah, you know, Romans good. one talks about how, you know, they they des- they uh, do all these evil things, and they desire to do them, and they they applaud other people who do them. So there's all that emotional attachment to evil, even though they know it's evil, they'll continue to do it because it's it's emotionally or it's giving them some emotional high, you know, hit. Well, there's that Bible verse, which is, I think, Isaiah. The heart is deceitful above all things. So emotions are something which are able to change, and they aren't necessarily absolute. They don't dictate any kind of reality, really. Whereas morality is a part of the reality of the world that we live in. So, of course, emotion is going to clash with morality sometimes because... Emotion is something that's changing, like the tides. It's always going all over the place. It's going to clash with other things that are absolute, like physics. <laughs> I mean, why do emotion and physics often clash? It's the same kind of thing. What do you mean? Um, so what do you mean? Oh, well, like, for example, you may want very much so to fly into the air and kiss a star or whatever. But you can't because of physics and the world we live in. <laughs> and it's the same with morality. It's like a... So you spend your days kind of hugging your pillow and sobbing. Because, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If only I yeah. could do this thing. I want and, to and do physics this. physics won't allow me. Ah. So it's... Yeah. It's another set of real, I guess, rules or... Yeah, rules. A set of things which are correct or incorrect. And emotion just can't always agree with them. I mean, yeah. what, what would be interesting for me about this particular question is to go back to the person who asked it and have a bit of a conversation mm. because I'm not certain where this person's going with this question. I mean, I've, I've picked up the idea that there's always going to be a disconnect between uh, choosing an immoral part and in a, the emotion that a per, the emotion or the desire that a person has. Yep. You know, people want to do the wrong thing even though they they know it's right. Is that the kind of clash? Maybe it's as simple as that, that this person is saying, why do morality, that is choosing the right thing, and emotion often clash? Well, often it's because we want to choose the wrong thing, and there's a there's like a, a cognitive dissonance or an emotional dissonance there. We really would rather choose the wrong thing, because it's, you know, I mean, think of, I don't know, overeating, for example. You know, I love sweet things, but I'm training myself to say actually it'd be better if I had you know more protein and fiber than I had sweet things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there's that clash between what I know to be the right thing to do and I mean, it's at a very physical level. Mm. I think people um, us as humans also have a heavy bias towards instant gratification rather than long term well being. Okay. Like you said with the sweets. Right now this unhealthy food tastes great to me right now, and it fulfills some kind of desire and emotion. But later on, of course, it's going to do much more harm to you than the, than the good emotions you felt while eating it. And so perhaps it's that humans in general have a lack of wisdom when it comes to um, deciding these things because they want to feel good instantly rather than 
having true goodness come out over a longer period of time, um, but by making the correct moral decisions. Okay, so the second one question is, isn't science supposed to be a purely godless study? And then the follow-on from that is, how do religious people or Christians interact with science? First of all, before I go into this question, um, a bit of context here. The person who asked me these questions, they um, didn't ask them in English. They asked them in another language. And so um, I had to kind of translate them. Um, And I guess perhaps their idea of religion, first of all, is that it's um, a completely supernatural thing. And so um, naturally you'd assume that the supernatural doesn't have much to do with science, that they're somehow contradicting or opposing things. And I think that is perhaps true for a lot of religions, um, but for Christianity at least, and perhaps some other religions, I'd say that's actually not true and that science and our beliefs are consistent with each other. And so I think that's the worldview that they're coming from. Um, and that's why they would ask this question in the first place. It's interesting because really science came out of Judeo, the Judeo-Christian Islamic worldview. So Christianity is before science and it, it's with science. It started science. So they're not really mutually exclusive. Science is just another outworking of Christianity in the world, mm. studying God's creation. Because Christians believe that God made the world to be structured, so then of course we're going to we're going to um, study how that structure works. But if you are, for example, like a Buddhist or some Eastern form of mysticism, you're going to be thinking, "Oh well, everything is kind of chaotic and it just goes round and round in circles. So there's no point studying it, and we can't really understand it." Coming back on your point, William. So the so just repeating it, Christianity says that there's a uh, structure and an order to the universe, right? Yeah. So people study that. It's become to be called science, right? The study of the order of the universe. And what do we find? Oh, the thing that we believe, which is the universe is ordered and um, structured, we find that actually it is in reality. Mm. So whereas a Buddhist, perhaps a point of view, would say, well, the universe is... Uh, really, there's not a, a lot of connection between uh, the physical and the spiritual. So, well, let's try to, to to examine the world that way, and we find that actually there's a lot of clash. That we find that the world isn't actually like that, and so um, their view of looking at the world. I guess the point I'm trying to make is that the religion, the the the, the teachings of a religion that then turn out to link up and to be true to the actual world we observe is actually saying, oh, it's, it proves itself to be a religion that's true, whereas one that, you know, says things, you know, like that uh, trees, you know, came down from the sky and they plant themselves like that from the universe and we, we look up and we find that never happened, we can say, oh, hold on a minute, maybe there's something not quite right there. <laughs> yeah. I guess... What they're more interested in, though, is how do religious people today interact with science? So, of course, religion, science stems from the Christian religion, but nowadays it's kind of 
become almost its own religion in some respects. And even Christians like to juxtapose science and Christianity, which I find really annoying because science comes from Christianity. But how do how do Christians today, how should they interact with science? Mm-hmm. Or not necessarily just science, but the people who figurehead science? Um, well, I think, first of all, um, we should explain what William means by science being religion. So, um, or some form of religion. Um, so an important thing about um, religion um, is faith, right? Is yeah. that you have um, complete belief in some someone or something to be true and to, you know, have power that holds things together, essentially. And I think even though scientists consider themselves, wouldn't consider science a religion at all, in science you have constants and premises and laws um, that scientists rely on and they have the belief and faith that those laws are consistent and that they hold true and because they've been tested over you know so many centuries and thousands of years and so I think by that logic science has religious elements at least that scientists believe in and have faith in the science that they study. So how should Christians interact with that kind of a worldview? The first thing I can think of is that science, even though it is kind of treated as a religion, it it lacks something important, which is the capacity to determine morality. And so people who live um, by science alone, um, even though they show that they have um, moral understanding, they don't have any firm basis to um, base their morality on. They don't have any anything that tells them what is moral and what's not, because science cannot determine that. So what's the problem with that? So I think being a Christian, um, when you learn science or when you talk about science, you should be very careful to come from a godly moral perspective when viewing that science because the science itself does not have any inherent morality to it. I mean, I guess Christian Christianity and science deal with slightly different things because Christianity deals with the, the problem of sin and how that is solved, and it deals with God, whereas science is more dealing with just the natural, or it's just dealing with the natural world. So Christians can do science 100%, but they shouldn't be making science solve the problem that the Bible solved or that Jesus solved. Yes, I think this is probably tucked away in a question, how does how do religious people or Christians interact with science? I think they're, they're implying that it, it doesn't really, that there's a, there's a sense in which... Uh, they think, well, religion is religion and science is science. And they may even and never the they twain contradict in some way. And, and then, of course, the, the next thing is probably within this person's mind is that, well, don't we all know that science is the true knowledge and religion is just the superstitions of people? But the truth is, you know, that, that we have this idea of science, as uh, people call, call this idea of scientism or empiricism, where they believe that that basically all truth, the only truth that's really true, the only truth that really matters is quote-unquote science truth, scientific truth, empirical truth. Mm. 
but you know that's only a tiny subset of all the things that are real and true and all the things that people know. Um, so, you know, I I don't have any issues with, you know, how what does it say? How do religious people or how do Christians interact with science? Well, science is you know this is a difficulty, isn't it, with the, the word science yeah. because we we talk about what scientists do, and every Christian would say, oh, what scientists do is great. You know, you're yeah. observing. You're observing the world, you're asking questions, you're observing the world again through testing, you're doing it repeatedly to see if you can build a build a theory or a, a law, you're using maths as well, you know, to try and uh, systematize that. And Christians would say, go for it, right? Yeah. They agree with every single bit of that. I guess the yeah. reverse of it for this yeah. person would be to say, well, how do non-religious people and atheists interact with science? Mm. That would that actually to flip it on its head and say, well, hold on a minute. If I if I'm not a Christian, let's just, let's just say I'm an atheist. I don't believe in any supernatural power at all. You know, you know where that question can go, right? Yeah. Well, how do you even imagine science to be a thing that you can do? How do you know that things are real? How do you know that things are going to be the same day after day? Well, what's your philosophical underpinning that tells you that we know? The world tomorrow is going to be like the world today. Well, as Christians, we have a reason for knowing that because of how how God's revealed Himself to us. What about a person who's not a, who who's a, who denies all those things? They have a much bigger issue with interacting with science than a Christian. They, also, right? um, there have been plenty of um, Christian or at least deity or God believing scientists throughout history, and I think for them, their their advantage is that they have a certainty in their science, right? That there are consistencies throughout the universe that God mm-hmm. has set in place for them, that things aren't just completely chaotic. But but for someone who doesn't believe in any sort of God or higher power, science would only really be able to come down to estimations and probabilities. And I think that raises problems Maybe to quickly answer the first part of the question, isn't science supposed to be a purely godly study? No, because, (laughs) well, I mean, it can be, obviously, because people who who claim not to believe in God do science, but they're doing it on premises that come from the belief in God, because Mm. it's only with the belief in God that we we can have reason and unchaos and order. Yeah, so it mm. it's not a godless study if you think that God is what introduces order. Mm. If you don't think God introduces order, then there can't be any order. Yes, that's a different question from can non Christians do science? Of course yeah. they can. But they're actually as as William has said, they're doing it unthinkingly and un uh, unconsciously perhaps or with a with a Christian underpinning without realizing it. Mm. They're actually assuming yeah. a Christian worldview, uh, without, you know, perhaps admitting that that's what they're doing or Realizing it, perhaps. Are there good and bad people? And if so, how come the seemingly good people go to hell as well mm-hmm. as the bad people? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, quick thing before we go into that. That question is reframed by me after discussing the person. The initial, the initial question was, um, why would good people be sent to hell as well as bad people? And I asked them, so how do you know that they are good and bad people distinctively? And then they were like, oh, right, okay. So then I reframed the question. So when you when you ask that question, 
how do you know that there are good or bad people? How do you determine whether someone's good or bad? And they said, oh. Yeah, they realised there was a premise that their question held, which was that there are good people on one side and bad and on the other. And what do you think they thought about right. that that issue? Um, do they think there are, in fact, people who are good? And they are... Um, innately good and people who are innately okay. bad? Or? I think they lo- I think they still hold on to that view, but they lost a bit of um, uh, confidence and certainty in that view and that just they themselves, right, just outwardly looking and observing people cannot truly know whether that person is better or worse than someone else um, because in the end it is between a person and God exactly what they've done and what they think and where their morality lies, right? And I think I was able to at least make them think about that. Um, but I guess we should just go on to the question. And, you know, I've got kind it. of a challenge. It's not really an answer to the question, but it's maybe something to keep in mind when you think about the question. Do you think that you yourself are a good person or a bad person? If you think you're a good person, then maybe you need to examine your life because I don't think <laughs> you... I don't know anyone who thinks that they themselves are just a good person. Mm. But I can see how you'd think that other people are good person, but people, but that doesn't really matter because what matters is you yourself because only you and God can actually know yourself. So if you asked the majority of folks on the street, are you a good person, most of them would start at yes. least a conversation by saying yeah. they were. Yeah, but yeah, they'd so probably, if you talked about it and they really thought about it, they'd probably end up thinking, actually, no. Yeah. I've, I've done loads of wrong things. I am a bad person. And if that's true, you think you are a bad person, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day so much, other people, because you've yeah. got a problem yourself. I think one of the, the main problems with this question is that from a non-Christian perspective, they are trying to say that they can have an absolute knowledge of good and bad people. That's the initial basis of the question, like we're saying. But I think from that worldview, you can't with any certainty, no, because there's no standard for good and bad. There's no set standard throughout all humanity. Um, And it's just your personal bias and opinion of judging people's actions, whether they're good or bad. Um, And then that's only the external things, the only things that you act, not the things that you think or the impulses that you want to do. Um, And I think that's the main problem with this from this worldview that this question is asked from. I mean, Jesus said, right, if you so much as lay your eyes on a woman mm. in any in- incorrect way, that is literally committing adultery. And he said other things. If you hate someone, you may as well be murdering them. Yeah. And so what this question only takes into account, I think, is actions. When you look at someone's actions, they may seem like a b- good person, but what they are thinking and wanting um, you'll never truly know, right? Yep. And that's between them and God. And so human perception of how moral other people are is very flawed because you can only view so much and think so much. And there are biases that come in the way as well. But that's the thing. It's between you and God. And without God, there's no standard. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting question. I mean, all these questions have a lot of extra stuff we get unpacked yeah, just about forever. Definitely. But uh, how come seemingly good people go to hell as well as the bad people? Um, we, yeah, there's the whole question of why anyone doesn't go to heaven. Why, you know, why, why is it that 
people are sent to hell. And, you know, the whole issue of sin, the whole issue of Jesus' death on the cross for us, and, and of course, the, the issue that we've perhaps already touched on, that, as Jesus said, you know, someone came up to him and said, good teacher, what must I do to be saved? And he just, before he started on a conversation, he just pointed out, oh, you call me good? Why? Mm. No yeah. one is good. So the, the Christian response to this is to say, well, there are plenty of people who are, I like actually the way they use the word seemingly, seemingly good. Sure, seemingly good is irrelevant, mm. right? Is there anyone who's actually good? Of course, the Bible tells us that there is no one who's actually good apart from Christ himself. Um, also an important thing is I think this person seems to have a idea that doing good works can somehow cancel the wrongdoing you've done. Sure. So if someone has done like 60% good and 40% sin, mm-hmm. then they're somehow eligible to go to heaven or not receive punishment. Um, and uh, and the Christian way to answer that would be that um, um, sa- salvation is not done by works, but by God's mercy and grace, right? It's something that he has provided for you. And there's nothing a human can do themselves. No matter what good you try to do, you cannot earn your own salvation. Yep. Um, simply because that is not within your ability to do and you've sinned. The common conception that you need to be a good person to get to heaven or that you can be somewhat good, that doesn't make any sense because the whole concept of heaven is that it's perfect. So if you're not perfect, you can't get there. That's, that's because you have, a, you have a biblical understanding of, you have a biblical understanding of, what the, of what heaven is. But I think most people will, you know, most people who are not even religious believe that there's such a thing as heaven. I mean, in, in a, even in a casual way, they'll believe mm-hmm. that. But what kind of heaven are they talking about? They're not talking about a heaven where God is. Yes. We're not talking about a heaven where, yeah. you know, it's what do you want to, you know, I'm going to go and surf, you know, as a surfer, I'm going to go and surf in heaven or I'm an astronaut, I'm going to go and rocket in heaven. You know, yeah. I'm going to do the things. Heaven, heaven, I think, for most people is this sort of airy-fairy idea that it's a nice place, better than the, but this, of the same kind that you know, I've had here on earth. But it's the idea of a holy God being there, it's irrelevant. We, we don't want that, actually. That would be the wrong kind of heaven. Thank you very much. So it's not about us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In their heaven, they are the God. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. Heaven yeah. that's is just this, it, it's it, wishful right? thinking, this idea that when I die, I'm going to go to somewhere better. You know, it's a, that line that it, everyone says, you know, yeah. I've mm-hmm. gone to a better place. And you feel like saying, on what grounds? Yeah. <laughs> you know, on what grounds have you, have you know that? You know? I guess a kind of a short answer to this from a Christian perspective would the actually, there are no good people. Bad people go to hell and bad people go to heaven. And the reason why bad people can go to heaven is because of Jesus' death on the cross. Yeah, Christ, uh, mm-hmm. Romans, uh, I was just looking at today, Romans 4 or 5, I always forget, you know, Christ died for the ungodly. Yeah. You know, there weren't any godly people for him to die for. There was and, nothing and, in the people that he did save. There was no, they yeah. were not any better than everybody else. Sounds was, like a question we could pick up another time. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you very much right. for listening That's to cool. the podcast. But we'll have to call it a day. And now. thank you to Mr. S for joining us today. Pleasure. First guest ever on the podcast. Surely come back on at some point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Almost. Sounds really good. <laughs> thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash young and orthodox podcast. 
or on Instagram at instagram.com slash youngandorthodox. All the different ways to contact us are listed in the description. If you have any feedback, questions or suggestions for topics to talk about, please contact us with them. It's really important to know how our audience is responding um, and this is a growing experience so we're eager to improve the quality of our conversations as time goes on. So once again, thank you for listening and we'll catch you next time.